Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest And good morning. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. It is John Paul in for Patricia who is making her way to Belarus. And we'll speak with Patricia on her journey to Belarus on tomorrow's show. But ahead on this morning's show, we're getting a lot of calls in and we'll get to the reason why this is happening shortly. Uh, it was initially from uh, customers of Permanent TSB. Since then, we're getting calls and indeed contact on Facebook and Twitter from uh, customers of AIB and Bank of Ireland. And I presume this is affecting all banks, people, who will get paid on the first of every month or receive their social welfare payments haven't received those particular payments today. We'll let you know why that is shortly. Also, reaction to protests held in Cork yesterday. I was mentioning there with Simon earlier on The Breakfast Show, you'd wonder, will the Cabinet come again to Cork following the number of protests that were held yesterday and people very angry over different scenarios. No surprise, given the level of calls we get here every day on various issues that affect people on the ground. First, when they came to City Hall, you had the farming community out in force with the IFA. They brought a live bull. We spoke with Harold Kingston from the IFA yesterday. Uh, he, well, it was his idea uh, to bring uh, the actual bull. He spoke to Patricia yesterday afternoon and they said that they would bring the bull, the Court McMahon, even though the bull came from Castle Martyr. Uh, the bull was outside the City Hall highlighting just how much farmers are angry and indeed worried for the future with regards to Brexit and indeed current beef prices. From there then, uh, those who are also worried about the delays on the smear test for cervical cancer and the fact that delays continue and answers still are needed with regards to that particular process. Uh, we heard from Lisa yesterday who was organising that particular march and protest outside the Clayton Hotel because they moved from City Hall to the Clayton yesterday and this was for their town hall meeting ahead of the directly elected mayors and uh, with that in mind the protest was held outside the Clayton uh, with regards to those delays and then inside the particular hotel uh, we had another protest and this was over housing issues right across Cork. So 
uh, we'll hear about that in a while and about those particular protests and do you agree with those and is it no surprise because we hear day in day out of those particular issues that, that are, are affecting people not only here in Cork uh, but also right across the country also on the show we're going to hear how broken footpaths and bad infrastructure is leading to wheelchair users and this is something you wouldn't think of when we are walking along the footpaths but for wheelchair users we all see the footpaths broken up and bits of them missing and cobblestones missing well we're going to hear from one local candidate who says she has bruises and indeed has dislocated her hip due to the bad infrastructure on footpaths in county towns we'll speak with her shortly on the programme and I'd like to get your views on this because the Animal Rights Network oh this is a a school by the way in the UK first of all Uh, they have come out because this particular school have a small farm located next to a playground and within that little farm they are raising pigs but at the end of the school year they are going to bring the pigs to slaughter. They say this is educating the children of the school uh, but animal rights groups are out and they're not happy uh, given the fact that the children are looking and raising and feeding these pigs and then I don't think they're actually going along to see the big the pigs being slaughtered but they are being informed on what is going to happen to the particular young pigs. So because of that they're not happy with how this has been dealt with. But your viewers are welcome. A lot of people are making the point that in reality this is what happens. Animals are raised on a farm and on a living farm then they are taken uh, to the so-called slaughterhouse and that's what happens. So are we just educating our children on what actually happens and making them more aware of where meat comes from? Your viewers are welcome on that. Also, a lot of us get mixed up between heart failure and cardiac arrests. We think they're the one thing but actually they're not. We're going to hear uh, the difference in them and, and how indeed a lot of people could be in this country, in this county living with heart failure. Retired sports journalist and a former presenter of the Sunday game Michael Lester is going to join us on the programme this morning because he's at an event tonight discussing heart conditions and indeed uh, heart failure. He himself of course went through that so he's at that particular meeting tonight in Silver Springs and we're going to hear about a roadmap for a Clonakilty. The Chamber of Commerce in Clon are looking to plan ahead for the next 10 years. A lot of this down uh, to no town councils now across the country and with that they feel that locals, businesses and the entire community need to come together and look forward to what can be done for the next 10 years for Clonakilty to enhance the area and to attract the businesses and people to live in the region. We'll hear what exactly is happening and why they, they think now is the time to do this. Uh, pet advice with Jane, if you have have any questions for a pet in your households get them into our resident vet Jane is along after midday and much more to come between now and one o'clock your calls and comments are welcome 1850 or indeed you can text or whatsapp 86 you can tweet this morning at C103 Cork or email jp at c103.ie Good morning to you our lines are open 1850 now regarding the calls and texts we're getting and indeed people on Facebook contact Contacting us regarding the situation with delayed payments today. Uh, well, this is all down to May Day yesterday, and initially we thought it was customers of Permanent TSB who started contacting us shortly after nine o'clock this morning. But now it seems to be every bank. I think uh, we're getting calls from uh, those with AIB and Bank of Ireland. Also, the reason for this and why there was no payments yesterday is due 
uh, to what we call May Day and mainly due to the euro currency systems being closed yesterday so this meant that no electronic euro payments were made to external bank accounts so for first of all permanent TSB customers those particular payments that you haven't got so if you haven't received your wages from where you work or indeed social welfare wages because they weren't processed yesterday they will end up in your bank account today but a lot of the payments won't be seen until after midday today we're told also uh, similar with AIB and Bank of Ireland and now I don't have a time frame on exactly uh, when payments will be made for those particular banks but I would imagine uh, similar that it will be after midday or indeed some are saying after 2pm this afternoon so if you are like so many people this morning contacting us and not uh, received your wages if you're paid the start of the month from wherever you work or indeed uh, you were supposed to receive some type of social welfare payment and you haven't, that is the reason why you should be seeing those payments coming into your bank account this afternoon uh, from midday or indeed from two o'clock this afternoon. But not a problem with you, not a problem with the department or the company you work for. It is all due to May Day. And as we know, for May Day or Labour Day, the banking systems do close in various parts of Europe. And that is the reason for that. While they remain open here in Ireland, they do close elsewhere. And I mentioned there briefly about the Taoiseach's visit to Cork yesterday, Leif Racker and the Cabinet who were in City Hall. Of course, we heard the protests from farmers and indeed from those who are unhappy with the delays when it comes to smear checks in this country. Also then yesterday evening, while they were having their so-called town hall meeting in the Clayton Hotel in the city centre, the meeting had to be suspended because members of the Connolly Youth Movement, you would have heard audio of this on our news from our reporter Sean Defoe, who was at that particular meeting last night. They did enter the actual room in the hotel and they did start protesting about the government's record on housing and indeed on other issues. First of all, the group stood up and they read out a statement and they called for a minute silence. And this was for the two men who died in the city over the recent days. They both had been using the homeless services here in Cork City. And with that, the chair of the event for Fianna Gael, their MEP, Deirdre Clune, she did accommodate the minute silence. But then when the group kept reading out statements and then people started shouting at each other, uh, you have maybe have seen some of this online, whereby Fianna Gael members and, and those attending the meeting were trying to calm the situation and then people were shouting over each other. At that stage, they decided to suspend the meeting and the Taoiseach, along with the Taunashtha and other ministers, left the room as protesters were escorted from the building by staff and indeed by Gardaí. The meeting got underway again uh, following that. But uh, your views on that, many say, well, they were right to do this. Uh, some feel that they were wrong. Your views are people entitled to, well, people entitled to protest and, and give their views out. Uh, and what they are protesting for are issues we hear every day about and people are just extremely angry that there's a lot of the, us out there who cannot afford to buy or purchase a home rents are on the increase people are becoming homeless due to this uh, they can't find a proper place to live uh, farmers are worried for the future there's a lot of health issues out there and we've heard of those and the need for extra services to be produced for our health service by the way of overcrowding we have seen in the last few months at both CUH and indeed the Mercy and in Limerick hospitals which affects those as well who will be travelling from the Charnival, some of the North Cork areas to Limerick so with all of that in mind uh, something needs to happen but people feel uh, that the government are in a bubble 
and that while things might be going well in some parts of the economy in Dublin, not everywhere is having the same effect and not all parts of our health service and our farming communities are seeing this either and also the housing situation that we are all experiencing. So your views welcome on that regarding those protests. 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 across all the papers this morning, pages and pages to do from that particular, well it's the longest murder trial in the state's history coming out of Tipperary and the family of Bobby Ryan have said that justice was done as Patrick Quirk was jailed for life and being found guilty of the murder of his love rival. So much coming out from that particular case that went on for a number of weeks and a lot of that coverage this morning as you would have heard on our news as well yesterday evening and across the early bulletins this morning. And we mentioned this on our Garda file last week and it's a message going out to all those so-called boy racers. Uh, they've been told to stay away from the Rally of the Lakes in Killarney. Now that particular rally, uh, which obviously is set in Killarney, but also it does go into the outer areas of Kerry and comes into us here in Cork. It often, uh, stages often go to Beira and indeed to parts of Mid-Cork around Ballyvorney and those areas. So even though it's called the Rally of the Lakes and in Killarney it's usually associated with, it does uh, come into Cork as well and often stages, I think, I think this year as well, are going along the Beira Peninsula. Anyhow, because of this, in the last few weeks, Gar- have noticed and indeed callers to this show have noticed donuts again appearing on the roads in various areas. Uh, at the N22 of course the main Cork to Killarney Road uh, is noticeable in the last few days and because of this they are warning those who follow the rally and think themselves they are in a rally to beware and not to be doing these so-called donuts on the road or acting like by racers on the road. So it's a warning for them to stay away from the various areas of the rally this weekend, that being Killarney, uh, being Ballyvorney, McCroom, uh, the Beira Peninsula and those areas. And just something all of interest that we, I saw this morning in the Irish Sun. We got calls on Monday and Tuesday about the show on RTE on Sunday nights. It's called the Ireland's Favourite Folk Song. You might have seen that. Mary Black presents it and and a good show it is and they're looking for the uh, most uh, favourite folk song voted by us uh, for this particular country. But over the last few days, a number of groups are unhappy that the way the actual show was conducted and one of them is a well-known group uh, who've been, I think, for, for many years have been singing various Irish songs, the Wolf Tones. Well, they have accused RTE of excluding controversial tunes like The Men Behind the Wire for the search for Ireland's favourite folk song. The claim comes as the singers who enjoyed, uh, I suppose you could say, a, a pickup in the last few months. This was because of the Steve Coogan on the BBC when he belted out Kamauti Black and Tans on that particular show remember the uh, this time the comedy show uh, that he has on the BBC last month uh, they say that RT got thousands of submissions from around Ireland to begin the search for this particular song however the final 10 songs which the public get to vote on were selected by a panel of eight judges the Wolf Tones say this is not fair and they claim that they topped a BBC radio poll uh, when they were doing similar in 2002 and they topped that particular poll with a nation once again. Uh, the Republican balladeers claimed that the RTE particular show that they drew up their shortlists and prevented folk fans from voting for their songs, which often are claimed Republican songs. Their singer, Brian Warfield, he was speaking to the Irish Sun and he said when the BBC did their competition, you could vote for whatever song you wanted 
and he feels that is not the case with the RTE competition that the judges have picked the last few songs and the public are only voting on those songs and not every particular Irish folk song. So your views are welcome on that. Do you agree with the Wolf Tones? Are they right that there are so many various songs and more songs out there that we could vote on but that we're only given a certain choice and that there is more out there compared to what the BBC did a number of years ago? Your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103. Or indeed, you can text on WhatsApp 0862103103. We're going to hear, though, about the condition of footpaths right across the county, especially for wheelchair users. That's next. C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Poor footpaths and infrastructure is making life difficult for many wheelchair users here in Cork. Evie Nevin is a candidate for the Social Democrats in the upcoming election and joins me. Good morning to you, Evie. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. First of all, it's an issue we've dealt with a number of years ago and it was brought to the attention of the local authorities, but it seems it's not getting any better. Just explain how difficult it is for for wheelchair users and indeed for yourself who have to get around your local area. Um, Well, as you know, uh, Clonakilty, for example, uh, the the streetscape there was done um, a couple of years ago um, and the local access group. Uh, met with the OPW and those in charge of that work um, to make sure that the street was accessible for wheelchair users, for parents of buggies, for those who were blind or poorly sighted, etc. Um, and then those works went ahead, um, and it just it just seems as bad as ever. We I have people on the doors telling me that they're falling over um, constantly with the with the unlevel footpaths that wheelchair users are still sp- uh, finding it difficult to get around. I mean, it's it's 2019, this shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, and the one thing that's coming out when you mention there are new streetscapes is before you would have had cement-type footpaths, now you have footpaths that, that are made from brick, but some of the bricks are going missing. So when someone is going along with a buggy or a wheelchair, they're finding themselves stuck because the wheel is getting stuck between two bricks and one brick is missing. You would have thought that if we were laying down new footpaths in an area that everything would be cemented in and be steady rather than bricks going missing and then this happening, especially for wheelchair users who, if you're on your own on the street and it could be late in the evening with no one else around and you're finding yourself hard to get from one location to another because you're getting stuck on a footpath. That's right. Um, There's a lot of people that tell me that they avoid going to town altogether. Um, And, you know, that has um, not just, you know... the physical uh, barrier of, of going through town, but then obviously you've got people who are now stuck inside their homes and they're socially isolated, which obviously means that their mental health may be affected and not just for people uh, in wheelchairs that are socially isolated, but then of course there's pe- their carers, uh, people with disability and their carers as well. Um, so it's it's not just, you know, the, the physical barriers as well, but, you know, when, when people are saying that they're avoiding town because it's more hassle than it's worth, there's something very wrong there. Well, it is because for the businesses involved, I mean, you have people who are telling us that they are going to the out-of-town centres, shopping centres, because they know when they're inside in a shopping centre, it's going to be a smooth surface compared to streets. So it must be hampering businesses in towns as well, the fact that you can't get into a particular business because of the condition of footpaths. And also uh, the health, you mentioned mental health there, the physical health. I mean, uh, we're hearing from people who are bruised because of the condition and the bad surface of footpaths. I mean, are, are you noticing that yourself? Well, as as somebody with a disability, um, I've, I'm finding it very difficult at the moment to um, canvas in certain areas of West Cork 
um, I, you know, I won't have the option of uh, using my wheelchair in, in some areas. So I have to use my cane and I walk, um, which has left me with dislocated hips. It's left me bruised. It's left me with uh, torn ligaments and, and tendons and everything. Um, and I'm not alone in this. There are people, like I said, are falling over constantly with things like cracks and footpaths um, and with the unlevel footpaths um, on the actual main streets. Uh, and then all the street furniture, um, and a lot of it is unlicensed and, it, and it's causing hindrance for people trying to get through town as well. And you mentioned there Clonakilty, I mean, an area known for tourism, I presume tourists coming here. And I know we've heard this before from access groups, uh, not only in Clonakilty, but in other towns. They're a bit taken back when they're in main streets, especially in towns where they have redone the footpaths and still there's a problem. Absolutely. Um, I've seen uh, plenty of reviews um, from people, uh, from tourists uh, with disabilities, um, who say they were very disappointed to come to West Cork and realise that our public transport is inaccessible, that uh, a lot of our shops are inaccessible, um, that certain streets are, are very, very difficult to get around. And, um, and when you think there's 13.5% of the population living with a disability, we're not a small group. And then you're ob- obviously um, isolating tourists then who have disabilities as well. So, I mean... It would be in the interest of all the businesses in West Cork and for the council to make sure that everybody can come to West Cork and enjoy everything that we have to offer down here. You mentioned there when you have to leave your wheelchair and walk around with a cane. I mean, uh, that must be dangerous in the fact that if you're, if you're first of all, figuring out when you're finished your day, you're, you're bruised, you've dislocated hips. Uh, there's a serious danger there, though, if you were out on your own and you fell over that you could be lying there for a good few hours because of, of, of this particular situation. I mean, if, if your cane gives way because of a, a bit of the footpath missing or the ground missing, is that a worry for a lot of users? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's, it's just something that it's frequently brought up um, and it's it's kind of one of the reasons why I decided to stand for election because um, our county council... Um, and our government in general, it isn't reflecting the society that's representing. We don't have enough people with disabilities and different types of disabilities um, at the table when it comes to um, planning and bylaws and policy making, etc. So it's very, very important that we have all types of people at the table when it comes to all this kind of planning to make sure that nobody is left behind and that nobody is socially isolated. Well, I did mention the topic was discussed here before. We did raise the issue uh, with Cork County Council. You know, they did say they were looking into this and doing their best to restructure footpaths. But when you mentioned there, you, you feel maybe the, the local councils and indeed the governments are letting people who are in wheelchairs, wheelchair users down because they, they knew about this for the last four or five years. Access groups are bringing this up, but nothing done. Absolutely. It's all talk and no action. Um, and I want St. Cork County Council to hold people accountable um, for the lack of uh, action, like I said, um, over the last four or five years. I mean, it's, it's no secret that things need to be changed. Um, and I'm hoping to get in on May 24th um, so that I can go in and I can be the voice of the people who've been let down. 
And speaking of May 24th, uh, I just see there you've issued an email to us. This is something we discussed last week with another councillor in the Blarney area. Posters going missing. You feel your posters have gone missing in various areas. I mean, could this be the storm? Could a storm have blown them away? Or or do you think people are actually physically going up on poles and taking down your posters? Yeah, we uh, we did a a quick um, lap around checking the posters after the the storm, and a few were damaged, um, and a couple went missing, and we repaired those uh, ones that were damaged and replaced the ones that were missing. But then um, we did another lap around, and six of them went missing that we know of. We haven't uh, done a full lap um, down towards Dunmanway um, yet. But uh, two were found uh, just yesterday evening um, at the Warren in Ross Terbridge, jumped over a wall. And, um, I mean, if people were unhappy with the placement of the posters, they could have come to me and said it, and we were happy to move them to another location. Um, but to be dumping them, it's, well, first first of all, it's illegal. And second of all, um, you know, you're, it's really important for me as a candidate, especially a candidate who can't access everywhere in West Cork. Um, it's getting my face and my name out there. Um, and because, like I said, the, the social isolation that people with disabilities have faced, it meant that I couldn't be as active in the community as I wanted to. So those posters were very important for me as a woman with a disability and um, with a very small team of volunteers um, to, to get my face and my name out there. And obviously, without going into names on air, you've no idea why this was done or do you have any suspicions on, on would it be another party? Would it be uh, somebody else running? Would it be somebody who has a grudge? I mean, why would this happen? You know, it could be dirty politics like we heard last week from other areas of the county. I don't know and I, I wouldn't want to speculate on, on that. Um, but I adhere to the, to the voluntary ban of keeping posters outside the 50 kilometre zone. Um, and I mean, I, I spoke to Cork County Council about this and, and the voluntary ban, and even they've pointed out that the, that it is voluntary, and we could anybody could put up posters wherever they really wanted, as long as they weren't on the ESB poles and too low down to the ground, etc. Um, so you know, I was trying to respect that tradition. Um, and these posters and, were outside the 50k zones. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, they were, and they were high up, and they weren't obstructing anything. So it was just very, very disappointing to see that happen, especially since um, I'm one of the few candidates that decided to put up very, very few. I mean, I, I only erected 50 posters for the entire constituency, and as you know, the constituency is massive, um, whereas we've got other candidates and there's hundreds and hundreds of posters everywhere and in all sorts of places. So I just found it very disappointing that I, I tried my best to to make sure everybody was happy, um, and then this happened. All right, we're not the first uh, candidate so far this time around, even though it was only a week into the election and officially canvassing last weekend. Uh, posters were going missing the first few days, so you're not the first person uh, to have your posters going missing. And I'm sure over the next few weeks, you won't be the last for the moment. Evie, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm sure that issue much. of the footpaths, it is something we're getting a lot of reaction on this morning. So hopefully something will be done in the future uh, for wheelchair users for the moment. Thanks for joining us. Evie Nevin there, uh, who's a candidate for the Social Democrats in the West Cork area. Your views are welcome on that across the county 
see where though are you finding the worst footpaths in local towns either if you're a wheelchair user or indeed you have a newborn baby and you're walking around with a pram and you're finding that hard I have a text in here from a listener in Dumanway who says I have a newborn baby and I cannot go up or down the footpaths in Dumanway mainly because of cars parked up on them they're parked up and two feet would get me through with my pram but the cars only leave one foot and this is not right surely can anything be done about this so people especially in Dumanway uh, who are parking their cars on footpaths uh, young mothers and fathers cannot get up and down the street because cars are parking on the footpaths and not leaving enough room for someone with a buggy uh, to walk by Uh, views on that Uh, that's another issue as well that happens apart from footpaths in bad repair or bricks missing from footpaths people parking their cars on footpaths means wheelchair users or indeed those with a pram cannot get up and down because they can't fit through the space between the actual footpath and the actual wall or the building where they actually are passing by. Anyhow, uh, your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103 Where are the worst offenders do you think for, uh, first of all, bad footpaths with regards to surface but also people parking their cars on footpaths meaning you can't get by. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 On the way, we're going to hear an issue about cyclists as well and one caller feels that cyclists should have insurance because of an incident she had a few days ago and also we'll hear from that school in the UK and the Animal Rights Network who are not happy over this because a small farm which they have located next to a playground they're raising pigs uh, but they're going to bring the pigs to slaughter and uh, the animal rights groups feel this is wrong while others feel it's just reality your views are welcome on that 1850 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 Now, a primary school in the UK, they plan to slaughter two young pigs that they have reared by pupils on its mini farmyards. Well, they found themselves in the centre of a heated debate between parents and campaigners. The school, uh, a lot of people and a lot of parents are questioning why the school is doing this. Well, one of those is Animal Rights Group and John Carmody from the Animal Rights Action Network joins me. Good morning to you, John. Good morning to you, John. And thanks for joining us. John, first of all, what do you make of this particular primary school carrying out this exercise? It's not the first time a primary school has done this. They're basically showing that and teaching children what actually happens in reality in a farm. Uh, but what's your view on this? Yeah, it's a good question, but I don't think it's the, it's actually shown the reality um, of what's going on on um, today's modern factory farms and slaughterhouses. I think what the, the kids are, are getting initially is a very clinical stage set up of two um, pigs who, like dogs, would um, have all the very same feelings that dogs have, and we all know what dogs and cats want in their lives. They want to be looked after, cared for, um, you know, all those types of things, and, and I suppose the kids are only just getting a very staged set up until the time of the slaughter as well, where you know, again, it's a very staged setup, and and of course, it's killing is killing, whatever way you cut it. Um, so it's going to have um, some kind of an impact in the kids. But I just don't think they're being shown the reality of what, really what's going on in today's factory farms and slaughterhouses. Some people would have thought that animal rights groups would be happy with this because it might be encouraging more people to become vegan when they see what actually happens and where meat comes from. Yeah, true. I, I, you know, I, I think if, if schools were really that um, caught up in showing the reality, then they would allow animal rights groups into the, the classes to show the reality of what's going on in factory farms and slaughterhouses and showing, you know, the pigs and stuff like that. Um, 
caught up in, in this whole system, but that's not the reality. Um, and I think more than anything else as well, it's shown a complete disrespect for animals as well, because let's face it, um, we wouldn't do this to a dog or a cat, and we all, we all have special bonds with dogs and cats, as do kids as well. We have a natural bond, um, but that's, that's disconnected from what the kids are, um, are seeing in, in, in the school as well. And I suppose on that note as well, I, I would, like I'm sure there's teachers in schools listening right now to see one, and it's something that we, we, we would encourage them to avoid doing or replicating by bringing pigs in and rearing them only for them to be killed. Well, the other side of this is at least children at a young age will know where meat comes from. A lot of children, especially in urban areas, have no idea, uh, believe it or not, on where a slice of meat comes from. And th- these are pigs they are rearing. So if you are having breakfast in the morning and, and you were eat- a meat eater and you're having bacon, well, unfortunately, you know, that does come from a pig. So from that side of things, they're showing the reality of where actually meat comes from. Uh, regardless of the slaughter side of things, they're educating them that way. That could be another argument. I presume they're not bringing them to the slaughterhouse to show them, but they are showing them the argument of where actually meat does come from. That's that's the only one thing I hope that um, the kids, but they're four years of age, they're they're not going to take too much away from this, apart from, um, I, I don't know how they're... they're allowed to see this animal being killed or what way it's going to be killed because whatever way it's done it's not going to be nice killing is killing even the mention that word is so negative i mean for, for little kids of four years of age to see this would be horrific um i think true compassion needs to start from educating um little kids and and because i went into schools for many years um over the last 20 years when i was running national campaigns i went into schools and colleges and universities and we were able to show kindness to animals and we were able to get all sorts of kids and students and adults to to show that all animals not just the bdi dogs and cats want to be um want to experience love and love and care but all the animals the pigs the cows the sheep the elephants the tigers all those animals in the animal kingdom want respect but that's not what you're going to get in, in, in with today's um, idea of, you know, confining two pigs um, and only kind of rearing them only to kill them, which is seriously not on, you know. But the one thing is, you mentioned uh, dogs and cats there. A lot of people would say that dogs and cats are pets and they'll be in family homes, whereas the likes of cows and pigs are, unfortunately, in many circumstances on farms and they are reared to be brought to a slaughterhouse. And that is the reality of it. It's, it's, it's the reality right now, but that, that, that mindset is shifting. We had no other way to think of these animals um, only up until uh, a good number of years ago when animal rights groups were first kicking off and explaining to people that, that cows are no different than dogs and cats, pigs are no different than dogs and cats. But right now, today, whatever supermarket you go into, whatever convenience store you go into, you're, you're met with a huge variety of healthy, nutritious vegan foods that are good for your health, the animals, and right now climate change it's the biggest buzzword at the moment and yet people don't know that by eating meat it actually contributes to this huge um, um, problem that we're having at the moment which is climate change and we've seen nothing yet Well the primary school has come out and they do say they issue a one meat free day each week and they explain exactly about meat consumption and why it should be reduced so they are acting on a positive way with regards to what you're saying with meat intake and climate change there Uh, so they are addressing that John in one sense 
yeah, I think that's brilliant. I, I really think that's a good, and I would give the thumbs up to something like that. Um, and But what I would be saying is, is that I think, you know, their idea of bringing these two pigs in uh, going forward should stop. And if they really, if, if really want to get into the, the whole world of animal welfare, they should be bringing those students and those little kids into sanctuaries where pigs have been taken from abusive situations and factory farms and slaughterhouses and rescues and let those kids genuinely interact because they have a natural instinct to act you know, interact with little animals um, and let those kids feed those animals, let those kids make the bedding for the little animals and establish a very genuine connection because I can tell you then those kids will grow up and they won't know any, a, a bone in their body won't know any indifference towards animals or people because we, we can't run kindness and once that is instilled from a little kid from a very young age you really can't go wrong. And you mentioned there regarding vegans and a lot of people turning vegan and the options there for vegans. What do you make of these particular posters and especially on billboards across the county? You would have seen some here in Cork, I'm sure, John, whereby they are showing a cow or a chicken and saying that they have a life as well. But a lot of these I've noticed are placed on billboards in really agricultural communities. I mean, do you feel it's a bit unfair on farmers who are trying to make a living and having these big billboards? For example, there's one in Morn Abbey, uh, just off the Cork to Mallow Road, which will be a big agri community community and then you have this big sign placed in the middle of it which is it a bit unfair I mean still people are going to eat meat in this country regardless you have a bit of you know you have people who are vegans vegetarian Mm. but you'd always have meat eaters I'm sure you will, but there's an onus on people to know where um, their food comes from and and who would have thought that farmers would even be mentioning the word vegan yesterday as, uh, you know, Leo mm, Brad Carr yeah. was going into the meat in Cork. He was, you know, we had farmers saying, um, you know, where's the beef, you vegan? I, I never, in all my life, I don't ever think I would have heard about farmers shouting that word, but it's actually happening. Whether we like it or not, and I, I, I'm sure there's farmers listening right now, we have to shift and we have to move away from that whole world of intensive factory farming and agriculture, it is destroying the the world and its climate. Um, Whatever way we cut it, there's no denying it that it's having an an, an awful effect um, on the world and its resources and it's not sustainable going forward. And finally, we're starting to question, finally, that what we put into our mouths at the dinner table um, is actually having an effect on the earth. And we got it, we, like, people are, I need to look after their livelihood, of course, but we got to remember our kids' kids, and I suppose that sounds like cliche at times, but it's the reality that if we don't stop right now and sit up and take notice, it, it, it's going to, it's not going to be a good, good, good ending for us, you know? Yeah, and you, you are um, encouraging people basically to move away from the meat and go vegan or vegetarian and move away from what we see with animals being slaughtered. You would want that, that, that to end. Y- you know, John Paul, right now I'm sure your listeners are probably sitting at their table and saying, not a hope I get rid of my sausage and my egg this morning, my slice of toast. And um, what really could be the problem there? But if people just read a little bit more into it, if they kind of do their own fact-finding on Google um, or go on to goveg.co.uk, for instance, they give you a lot of information on, on alternatives to meat or even give it up for a couple of days a week or just lessen it for now, then they'll be making a huge impact on their own health, the environment, and of course animals too. Okay, John, well, uh, good to chat to you on that. Uh, I'm sure we'll have various views uh, regarding this for the moment. Thanks for joining us. John Carmery there from the Animal Rights Action Network. Your views on that regarding the school, raising those two young pigs and then they're bringing them for slaughter. Many are saying, well, that is the reality of it. While, as you heard John there, well, we need to stop this. We need to stop uh, bringing animals to the slaughterhouse and the majority of people should be moving towards vegan. What's your view on that? Especially when you see those big uh, billboards advising people to go vegan uh, when they're showing a cow 
or a chicken and saying well they have a life as well a lot of these billboards I notice going up in real agricultural areas of our county your views on that maybe you're a farmer and you've mixed views on the way that people are thinking with regards to the food process 1850-333-103 our lines are open you can text or WhatsApp 86 we're going to hear about an incident in the city over the last week whereby a cyclist and a motorist clashed but the, the motorist is basically asking about cyclists should they have insurance on their roads. We'll hear about that particular incident uh, which happened earlier this week in the city centre. Also, we're going to speak with the retired sports journalist now and former presenter of the Sunday game, Michael Lester, discussing the difference between heart failure, which he experienced, and indeed cardiac arrest and a lot of your calls and comments to do with the protest yesterday uh, when the Taoiseach was in Cork. Also, roadworks that people are frustrated with and the condition of our footpaths and much more to come uh, between now and one our lines are open 1850 C103 our lines are open 1850 Bernie takes your comments you can text or WhatsApp 0862 you can tweet us at C103 Cork or indeed you can always email JP at C103.ie I mentioned you earlier and you heard them on news this morning regarding those protests that were carried out yesterday when on teacher Leave Riker came to the city and they were meeting first of all in City Hall and then they went over to the Clayton Hotel on Laps Key and they had their town hall meeting there. Well, we discussed the various protests yesterday while we were live with the show and then last night there was another protest that took place and people had mixed views on this particular protest. It was from a group of people who entered the actual town hall meeting and they came along because they were unhappy as many people are. Doesn't surprise me with all these protests because of the anger that is out there in the various protests that were carried out with regards to farming and farming issues, uh, health issues, smear tests, delays with results and also then housing, which was what this protest came into the town hall meeting last night. There the Connolly Youth Movement and they basically are unhappy uh, with the government's record on housing and a number of other issues and they did want uh, a minute silence, which was accommodated for the uh, two people that were found dead on the city streets over uh, the last week or so. And and then they continued on to disrupt the meeting. Now, many feel they were right to do that and others have different opinion. Michael uh, says, what I witnessed on our TV screens from the city last night and yesterday evening was law and order getting out of hand in this country. The sooner that this is curtailed, the better for everybody. I ask, is it time to bring back the cat or nine tails? I believe it will be the greatest deterrence of all to the likes of these guys as anybody who ever had reasons to have a meeting with the cat or nine tails never came back a second time it would free up a lot of jail space and save the state and the taxpayer a fortune within a short time says Michael on text and whatsapp to 0862103103 and the cardinal tales if you're not sure what that is it's often referred to as the cash basically this was a type of a multi-twip a multi-tailed whip uh, that was implemented for severe physical punishment a number of years ago in various countries uh, and the the whip was seemingly the, the reason it was called cat and nine tails the actual part of the whip was seemingly made from cat hair or something like that but anyhow uh, cat and nine tails is what it was called and it was a punishment whip and Michael is saying bringing that back to deal with those people who enter meetings like the one that was held last night and disrupt the meetings Bush 
are, are you, do you agree with Michael or do you agree with others who feel that they were right to do this? For example, Jonathan says, I totally agree with what those protesters did last night, where I don't agree with breaking up meetings that are trying to inform the public. I do agree that this government has gone a bit out of touch when it comes to issues in rural areas and the regions of this country. It was no harm to show this particular government how here in Cork and in other areas of the country, people are unhappy and are showing the crisis we all face with regards to health, housing and also the farming community. Again, none of us like protests like this, but I think they are needed, especially with what we are seeing over the last year in our country, says Jonathan. So your views, welcome on that. Some against those particular protests, some for. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or call Bernie 1850333103. And on the issue we spoke about regarding the wheelchairs, and the condition of our footpaths and people who are on, first of all, wheelchair users and those who may be pushing a a pram or a buggy up a street and they simply cannot because of the condition of the footpath. Also, outside of that, we get a lot of calls from people who are parking cars on footpaths and this means that wheelchair users have to come off the footpath or indeed if you have a buggy or pram, you have to do the same. Go onto the road, go around the car and then come back up on the particular footpath. That is also annoying people this morning. Uh, we've heard from people in Dumanway who says this is happening on the footpaths in their town. Patrick Fermoy says cars are pulling up on the footpaths all over his area of Fermoy. He's never heard anyone, though, getting a ticket or getting prosecuted for doing this. Surely wheelchair users and mothers with prams have to go onto the road then to get by. And how safe is that for them, says Patrick Fermoy. And yeah, it, it isn't very safe. And I haven't heard of anybody actually being prosecuted. There was something a few years ago, and I can't remember the story exactly, but uh, there was uh, a case where I don't know, was the person ticketed or was it just a warning? But they were warned, definitely, anyhow. I don't know that I get a ticket afterwards about parking on a footpath. And I'm not 100% sure on the laws around that. I presume it is illegal to do that. Uh, I'll check that out. But thank you, Pat, for your call on that regarding people parking on footpaths and blocking the footpath for wheelchair users. And also, we spoke there with John Carmody, animal rights activist. This is with regards to the situation in the UK, a primary school whereby they have a playground and just off the playground they have a tiny little farm they're raising pigs uh, but they're going to bring the pigs to a slaughterhouse at the end of the year and basically educate children to what happens in reality a lot of people are saying on farms well on this first of all uh, Heidi says morning JP this business with schools showing children how to bring up a pig uh, basically they're going to see it being slaughtered these are young children and most children know that animals are killed for food but it's all down to these people pressure groups says Heidi it's about time you said enough I heard of a young guy who was a reporter and he was sent out on a job to a slaughterhouse and he said he was never the same again after this he became a vegan after seeing what was happening in the slaughterhouses says Heidi on WhatsApp while Colin says and this tying in with this particular story here but also showing the the disregard maybe or the disconnection more or less from rural and urban areas uh, Colin says I and I read this article as well uh, and it was written by a professor uh, by, by, by the name of Pat Wall of UCD and he said that he took a group of students uh, that are doing a master's in food safety to a dairy farm for practical experience while they were there a cow was calving and a calving jack was used to aid the delivery of the calf a practice 
often used by vets, much like the forceps for the delivery of a baby. But such is the extent of the disconnection from people from rural and farming life that these same students shocked the Professor Wall in the following days by suggesting that this farmer should be reported to the Department of Agriculture for cruelty. As a country person and a supporter of rural life, I feel that we need real representation from our TDs and indeed our councillors and any organisations that represent farming life to defend our way of life and reserve this disconnection before it's all too late and the countryside will become derelict. Uh, Thank you very much for this particular text but I am very frustrated at what is being portrayed by our way of life at present says Colin and I read that this morning in one of the papers about that particular issue of bringing students from the college in Dublin to a rural area to a farm and then they wanted to report the particular farmer because of what was the delivery of a calf and that is what happens and any farmers listening will be well aware of what happens but uh, the students weren't and they wanted to report that particular farmer for cruelty. So are we gone a bit mad when it comes to the whole issue with farming, with animals and people who eat meat will know that meat does come from an animal uh, but a lot of people out there who obviously know that meat comes from an animal uh, want to change this or are shocked at the practices of this. Uh, your views are welcome on this. 1850-333-103 and roadworks. Always get a lot of calls regarding roadworks in various areas. So this text here from Anne who's a local resident in the Ross Carberry area and she wants to highlight the fact that the roadworks are going on in the Ross Carberry area for the last while. Uh, these are the ones I presume, she says, from Bonner to Ross Carberry. So Ross Carberry out towards left that direction, I presume. Uh, she says that there's absolutely no progress being made. In fact, last week and this week, the only thing happening is that there is a stop and go in operation, but nobody working on the road. Does anyone have any information on this? It seems a bit of a joke that there is no work in progress, but there's a long hole in the road with nothing happening only a stop and go in operation says Anne and actually uh, that also could be the roadworks happening in the other direction from Ross Carberry towards Clonakilty there's roadworks in that particular direction as well so uh, like Anne is that what you were seeing you're seeing a hole in the road but you feel the work isn't progressing at a fast enough pace and does anybody actually know what is happening well maybe if you are in the know let us know and we can let local residents know 1850-333-103 or text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 now we always get calls about cyclists and cars and should cyclists have some type of insurance like the way most of us have. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As we all use the road, well, Eleanor joins me on the common line because she had a bit of an incident on Blarney Street in the city over the last number of days. Good morning to you, Eleanor. Good morning. Uh, first of all, you were on Blarney Street, quite a narrow street, by the way, to get around, uh, not a mind on a cycle or, or on a bike, but also in a car. You have cars parked on either side and it's a narrow street. What, what happened to yourself? I was coming from the Clothine area and I was coming on to Blarney Street. And as you said, uh, cars parked on either side, so we're kind of uh, veering in and out of um, the different places, allowing traffic to go up because it's so narrow. Uh, I was nearly to the bottom of the street as you emerge onto Shandon Street, and I had a tud at the back of my car. So I stopped, and immediately after I stopped, in in virtually uh, half a minute, there was a person, a male gentleman, came to the left-hand side of the window and it was him who had hit the car on a bicycle. And I just asked us if he was OK. And twice he said yes. So I didn't even emerge from the car and carried on because, as I said, it was about five o'clock in the evening and the traffic was very heavy. So uh, I carried on. I came home to Carrigaline, where I live. I got out of my car and looked at the back of my car and there was a huge dent from the person's body actually hit the car. Plus there was a big scrape from the handlebars of the car. Now, I wasn't concerned about my car because it was an older car. But what came to light to me was when I went to report it, I was told that cyclists don't have any insurance. So, therefore, it would be only a small claim situation. Now, as I said, I had an older car, but if I had had uh, a 191 car or even a newer car, um, I would need a whole new door for the back of my car, which would be quite expensive. Um, So, therefore, I feel that cyclists should have some sort of insurance because you're more vulnerable on two wheels of a side of a pedal cycle than you are on a motorbike and you are in a car because my husband was killed off of a motorcycle or off of a bicycle uh, 25 years ago in a hit and run situation. Now, it was admitted to and it was all um, sorted out in the courts and stuff like that. But if the shoe were on the other foot and I hit a, a, a cyclist from behind, I would be in a, a real bad situation. And um, like my insurance would have to cough up for that. So yeah. I think, 
yeah, basically like that there should be some sort of a, a scheme or a system or something that cyclists would need to be insured. And the other side of this is when you got home and regardless how old your car was, if the cyclist had insurance and had some type of reg that you could have got at the time quite quickly exactly. from them, then you could have gone back either to the guardie or somebody to locate that person and said, this is the damage done to my car. Uh, and, and the damage, whereas it's a new car, an old car, there was still damage done and you could have sorted that out if you wish to or, or wish not. But there would have been some identification there. That's right. That's right. Yes. But a- apart from that, like... I felt myself with the with the the the, the, the dentum stuff that's on my car that this person must have been an injured in some state or form. Yeah, well, because if you left a dent like, like that, you must have been. If you were, if you were, um, you know, going to replace the need to replace the whole door, it could be bent out and dented out. But like, ideally, in the situation, you you would have to replace your back door. So therefore you have no repercussions. But ideally, I suppose I should have got out because of the traffic situation and things like that. And uh, the person was okay. That was my priority, that the person was okay. You know, and I didn't even think of the dent in the car because I didn't think a bicycle um, would, would cause such a dent. But I actually feel that the person's body must have hit the boot of the car because it's quite... um, a dent on it, as we say, like. Yeah, and a lot of the newer cars now as well have more plastic to the end of them. So, you know, a dent can be made easier than maybe a number of years ago. But it must have been kind of quite a shock for you. First of all, the pressure of rush hour traffic in that particular area of the city and for that to happen then as well. Uh, and in particular, given your history, as you mentioned there, your, your, your late husband. That's right. Um, well, as I say, it, it's all happened so fast. And... Like initially when the impact happened, I thought it was the car. But to discover this gentleman on my left hand side, peering in the window, he had his helmet and so on and so far on. And I just asked him, as I said, because I did get a shock and I just asked him if he was okay. And he said, yes. And I repeated the question the second time. There was a queue of traffic developing behind me. Mm. And I'd say if we hadn't got out of it in, in, in a faster situation, there would be horns blowing and the devil knows what. And the pressure would be on you, yeah. yeah. Do you think the if, if there wasn't rush or traffic, you might have got out to him? Well, I honestly didn't feel like there, was, a need there was any need to get out yeah. because I didn't think there would be any damage. As I, as I said, it was a push bike. You wouldn't expect a push bike exactly. to cause the that damage, damage that's yeah. on the car. But I mean, it's the fact that when I went to report it and I was told, well, they don't have insurance anyway, which I found like they're using the road the same as a cyclist or the same as a, a, a motorcyclist or a car or anything like that. And if we didn't have insurance, we wouldn't not be allowed on the road. So you're calling really for an either new law or somebody to open up the discussion properly, not not only here on radio, but maybe at government level to think and suggest insurance for cyclists and not even motorcyclists because they, they would have some type of insurance for motorbikes. There is insurance required, but for cyclists, pedal cyclists, that they would have insurance for cases like this. Exactly, because, I mean, a car has four wheels. A motorcyclist has two wheels. A bicycle also has two wheels. So, I mean, they're all the same usage of the road. 
But in the event of an accident especially, even if the person fell off of the bicycle and, which can happen, got killed or whatever, um, they have no, no, nowhere to resort to in order to uh, resolve the situation. Um, you know, they're killed off of a bicycle, whatever. And even in a situation, as I said, if, if the shoe were on the other foot, and I knocked that person off the road, my insurance would be, you know... Yeah, it would go up and you would be brought to task over this and the insurance exactly, company would have to deal exactly, the whole situation. Yeah. So why not that for the other way around when and a cyclist like hits when, your car? when there is no insurance, it also goes to the Motor Bureau Insurance yeah. of Ireland, which was the case in, in my own case. And everybody in the country is paying for that fund. That's true. Yeah, that is true. And everybody who obviously who, who is uh, who is insured is paying for that particular fund. Uh, for the moment, it's a good question to pose. Uh, should we have some system of insurance for a cyclist and reg plate for identification with that particular issue? For the moment, Eleanor, thanks for sharing your story and thanks for calling us this morning. Eleanor, there on 1850 You got to agree with her? Do you agree with her on that? Uh, insurance for cyclists, uh, especially cyclists in busy areas, in narrow streets, in narrow rural roads and if something does happen that the motorist would have a comeback like Eleanor is saying or some reg plate for identification your views are welcome on that 1850 333 103 text or whatsapp 0862-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103
uh, there is confusion in people about the whole thing, which is understandable, kind of, if you, if you haven't uh, faced or been confronted with this, uh, you probably wouldn't know too much about it. But anyway, in my case, um, I go back to 2012. I was in the Sunday game uh, mode at that stage. It was coming towards the end of the summer, and I hadn't been feeling great, but then that's fine, because often we don't feel great, and it doesn't necessarily mean there's something uh, terrible wrong with us. But this was going on and going on and was getting worse and worse. And when I say I wasn't feeling great, I was getting very tired. I was getting breathless. Uh, I would find myself sometimes waking up during the night um, gasping for breath, which I didn't understand, you know, what the story was and all that. And I went, I did actually go to my doctor a couple of times. And he thought initially that um, I might have picked up a virus someplace. And I thought that myself. I thought it's, I'm after picking up some bloody bug. And I suppose it was a combination of two things. First of all, not identifying the actual symptoms clearly enough. And then second of all, I have to be honest with myself, I was busy that time of the year. We had, in 2012, as we came towards the summer, the hurling final between Galway and Kilkenny was a drawn match. So there was a replay. So in actual fact, we had three All-Ireland finals. So, you know, when you're in that mode and you're up to your ears and all the rest of it, not to say I wasn't doing anything about it, but I wasn't doing enough about it. But what eventually happened was I was getting so bad and I was like, I wasn't able to eat. Sometimes I would sit down and maybe eat my dinner and, and once or twice I actually threw it up afterwards. And uh, and just generally feeling like that I'd been hit by a boss. So I finally went back and I said, I, I kind of confronted the issue myself and I said to the GP, listen, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong. I need to know what this is. So I went in to hospital for tests and of course once you once you get in with professionals and with people know exactly what the story is uh, it didn't take too long to find out that I had heart failure and an interesting point you put there when you were busy with the Sunday game you were in and out of studio and it was a busy time the heart of the GAA season you just think well I'm overdoing it I'm doing too much that is why I am tired yeah. and you push it to one side uh, so then when you're in the hospital and they mention you have heart failure I mean if you do mention this to anybody you just think you've collapsed and you're on the ground out cold but this isn't so No it's not and the thing about it is and, and before any of this happened obviously like most people I had no clue what heart failure actually was. And in fact, over the years since this and, and my heart uh, issues, people would often say to me, and how are you feeling now since your heart attack? You know, mm. and I, I nearly get to a point where I'm saying there's no point in trying to explain this because I didn't actually have a heart attack. But uh, when, when it was put to me, um, I, I just didn't know what exactly all that meant. But when, when the heart specialist said to me, you're operating off about 15, 15% of your heart capacity. You knew that wasn't great. Well, 15% you know? only. Yeah. Now, uh, just to, to, to explain to people, most of us, most healthy people are not 100%. Most healthy people would be up there maybe around 70, 80%, something like that. Very, very fit. An athlete, a hurler or a footballer, they would expect to be 80 plus, but, you know, but obviously unless you are Superman. But nonetheless, 15 is well below the mark, that's for sure. Well below the mark. And at that stage, what was the, from the professionals when you're in the hospital, what was the course of action? How do you get your heart back healthy again from the state it was in? Well, the immediate course of action was uh, to go on some very, very powerful medication, which I'm still on. 
and that was just to kind of stabilise the situation. In other words, you haven't much to play with when you're down to about 15. And and therefore, it was just to make sure over that next couple of weeks that it didn't actually get any worse and then to just kind of, as I said, stabilise it. I suppose the irony of it is, despite all this thing with my heart, otherwise I was in fairly good physical uh, fettle because I did a fairly quick bounce back from all of this. Hmm. And, uh, and it didn't take me too long to kind of get back on my feet again. And then after that, in the immediate after that, uh, it was things like exercise. It was things like your diet. It was things about watching you, uh, what you were drinking. And, you know, the usual kind of stuff. I suppose the, the kind of messages that health professionals would put out to you anyway, kind of if you, were, if you felt you were normally fit and all the rest of it, you know. But this was, this was an area that I also had to come to terms with. But the, the most, I suppose the most important part of all this, and there's, there's no other way about it other than you will be on a lot of medication for the rest of your life if you get this condition. But fine, if, it, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. And you've come out a lot over the last number of years to warn people of, of the signs and the symptoms of this. You mentioned there the uh, out-of-breathness and the tiredness. Is there anything else that people should be watching out for? Maybe, God forbid that there is, but somebody listening could be uh, noting those symptoms and saying, God, I have something like this. Uh, what else could people be watching out for if they do feel that they have a busy lifestyle, they're putting it down to this, but in fact, it could be that their heart rate and, and their heart function isn't as high as it should be? It could, and, and as I, I've emphasised a lot on, in terms of this, just because you have some of these symptoms doesn't mean you have heart failure. You could actually just be uh, naturally worn out from, from exhaustion or overwork or whatever the case is. But the things to watch out for and the things that I was happening to me uh, that really were, were major warning signs was waking up, as I said to you earlier on, in the middle of the night gasping mm. for breath. That kind of feeling almost like uh, has somebody put a pillow over my head or something like that? Now, that's just not normal. I mean, that's, that's, you can wake up as knackered as you like uh, in a day, but that kind of thing shouldn't be happening to you. must be frightening, another, though, to wake uh, up in uh, that particular experience. It must be very frightening. Oh, no, it is. It's very, yeah. it, it, there's no doubt. It's, a bit, uh, it's very disconcerting, to say the least of it, you know. Um, the other thing about it then uh, was I, I had swollen ankles, and swollen ankles is just like, it's one of those complete telltale signs uh, of of a heart failure or a heart condition, and uh, and even just those two things themselves, regardless of the other symptoms that we mentioned, which is tiredness. I I used to go for walks during the summer, and there's a nice park beside where I live here, and I I get I'd often do the walks and do them again now and all that kind of stuff. But I might go out to the park. And I mightn't get I mightn't get fifty yards, and I would have to sit on one of the benches just to to recover myself. And then I might go on another bit and I might find another bench and I have to sit on that. Now, you would say, listening to this, well, Jesus, that's, not, that's definitely not normal, you know. But the problem about it is, with, with me at that time, I didn't know that I was ignoring heart failure or a heart condition. I didn't yeah. know what was wrong with me. So that makes, that makes it a bit more difficult. So that's why this campaign that the Irish Heart Foundation uh, have been going on and which I've been supporting that's why this is so important because it's it, this is one of those illnesses where it's a serious illness but if you get the message out there and you get people to recognize it quickly you can intervene and i hope like myself you can get back and lead a normal life i mean it doesn't this doesn't have any major effects on it, apart from having to take tablets but you're i suppose half the country is taking tablets yeah. anyway kind of, you know? yeah. but um 
So there's nothing here that will stop you from living a normal life, but you need to know what's going on. And you're back healthy again, living that normal life. Uh, apart from the medication, you're doing your everyday routine as normal. Nothing has changed that way for you. Nothing has changed too much. I wasn't too healthy yesterday, but that was because I was in Punchestown on Tuesday <laughs> uh, at the races. And we were at a couple of mates of mine take a corporate table every year. And I have to say, I wouldn't like to have met my heart specialist yesterday morning. <laughs> but, um, but generally, no. Generally, I'm, in, I'm fairly good fettle. And uh, as I said, um, I've taken the medication. I'm taking all the meds that are required and all that. I've tried to look after my health. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a genius at it now, but I, I try and do most of the basic things. And uh, and that's and that's really where it's at. It's about it's about finding out what's going on and and getting some intervention. And the other thing about a John Paul that's interesting is, mm. apart from the heart issue of things, I also find myself now engaging with other aspects of of uh, uh, Medicare. For example, uh, the um, bowel cancer screening program yeah. and all of that, um, which I did. They sent me the sample test and they you send in your sample and they check you out. And, it's fine and I don't have to do that for another two years but I know fine well if I didn't have this other experience things like that I'd probably be thrown in the bin and saying Jay, that's not for me kind of you know yeah when you have one particular health scare you then look at everything else and you go no I need to do that because of what happened before I need to do this because of that yeah yeah you you, you take take note of it you also know listen I've been there I've had the intervention so if there's any other problem well Jay, let's go and find out about it it's not going to cure itself you know so that's, that's the thing that's that's the message of, of tonight's uh, event that you mentioned in the... In the Silver Springs, Silver Springs in the Clayton, the Silver Springs. Springs. Also, yeah. they're launching a new heart support group of people in Cork living with cardiac conditions. That's also happening tonight. That's a lot right. of people texting in saying weren't aware of the symptoms or the difference of heart failure and cardiac arrest. So it's, it's good that you're getting the message out there and pointing out the difference between a cardiac arrest, a heart attack and indeed heart failure. Well, as that's, that's uh, Some people are, are, are texting in saying they are going to go for checkups now because they feel they might have similar symptoms and it might not be anything to do with that, but at least uh, no harm to get a check every now and again for yeah. your own sake anyhow and that meeting is going ahead tonight it's a patient information meeting Michael will be there in relation to heart and cardiac issues run with the Irish Heart Foundation supported by Novartis it's on from 6.30 to 9 this evening at the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs there's free entry if you want more information you go to knowyourheart.ie and you'll get more information there as well and of course Michael with all of this going on around you you were still working you still managed to keep in with the television on the Sunday game you've retired now will you miss when the Sunday game comes back in the next few weeks and the team song starts are you going to miss all the action and the, the hype around the summer for the championship I will but as I, as I keep saying to people John Paul I, I miss it from a distance uh, I'm not sort of pining to be involved in it uh, because I've been there I've done it for 35 years I have no complaints and and the other event that I had that you also mentioned in 2015 was a cardiac arrest I can mm. assure you that was a fairly dramatic uh, scenario and when that happened to me, I really had no business ever being on television ever again after that. Yeah. So I, I knocked another three years out of television and out of the Sunday game. So I'm, I'm happy out with the way that is. And in actual fact, would you believe, this week's RTE guide that just happened to be flicking through there, there were seven pictures of me in it. <laughs> <laughs> so I... <laughs> okay, I... I I, there are, but they're, they're a composite on one page. And it, Did uh, you know they were going to be in it, or is it, is it just remembering the Sunday game? No, no, this is about, this year is the 40th anniversary of the Sunday game. Oh, very good, okay. Well, that's a big and role for you, because you were there for so long. I, mean, I was there for 35 yeah. years, 40 years, but there's a there's a feature on that, and there's a feature on the, the guide about uh, Joanne Cantwell, obviously, who's taken over in the presenter's chair going forward and all that. So, look, at, I mean, I'll be interested in it, and I'll keep an eye on it, of course, and all that kind of stuff, and I've had great fun doing it, 
but I'm also perfectly at ease letting it go and moving on. And you mentioned there about the cardiac arrest in 2015. Just out of that, uh, Rita has texted in, was there a connection between the heart failure and that cardiac arrest? Oh, of course, there had to be. Yeah. yeah. And, but how come when you're on the medication, everything is going, was it just the level of work that, that brought oh, the cardiac the, arrest on? Or how, why did it come when you were watching yourself and you were very much uh, going back to your consultants and all of that? The thing about, the thing about uh, a cardiac arrest is, now, let me just mention here, I'm not a medical expert mm. right now that. Yeah. I'm just giving you my personal experience. But I think I think uh, heart specialists would say to you, they can't even predict what causes this. Because the difference between heart failure and a heart attack, they will describe those as plumbing issues. In other words, there's something to do maybe with your arteries or something like that. A cardiac arrest is something that happens in your brain that switches off the functions, switches off your heart pumping and all that kind of stuff. And what causes that? Nobody knows. You could be the fittest person on the planet. You might never have had a heart issue in your life. And, and you, this could happen to you. In actual fact, we were looking there during the week. Um, I.K. Casillas, the legendary Spanish and Real Madrid goalkeeper, he got a heart attack in training for his present club, Porto, in Portugal, yeah. uh, earlier in the week. Now, I.K. Casillas is one of the fittest men in Europe. So, it, look, these things can happen. You can... You can Avoid some of it, and heart failure is a thing that I'd say maybe not looking after myself down through the years I could have prevented. But then there are other heart issues that unfortunately you can't prevent. So you're not trying to hear in this situation, you're not trying to tell everybody how to completely present, prevent anything from happening to them. But there are some things you can prevent, and that's the important thing about this particular message. And that's why I'm hoping people will come along tonight just for a bit of information. They might just find out something. They And the thing about tonight is... I'm talking at it, as you mentioned, but in fact, there are professionals talking at it. There's professional, uh, Professor Carl Vaughan, who's a consultant cardiologist, is there. There's Annette O'Connell, who's a heart failure nurse and a specialist in that area. And these are giving out like proper information. I will tell my story to people, but these can give you more detailed information about what to watch for, what the signs are, and if you need to be just maybe checking this out and, and seeing where you're at. Very good. And before I let you go, you mentioned the Sunday game there and that uh, at the 40 years and you've been there for 35 years. You were one of the broadcasters, Michael, like so many in this country that just connected with the audience. People just loved you when you came on. You just felt, you know, you're at home because you were presenting the Sunday game and it was you. And, and we wish the best of luck to the programme as it goes on into the future. Yeah. But uh, as you're not there now, any predictions? A lot of people asking as we're going into this championship. Uh, you, you mentioned you're coming to Cork this evening as you are. Uh, Cork and Tip, of course, in a few... Uh, weeks in Parky Cueve in the hurling it'll be an interesting game yeah yeah um, well do you know what every year down through the years um, I'm asked at the beginning of the year by various people that mm. give my predictions and that's my cue to actually jump behind the couch <laughs> <laughs> because I mean the thing about it is let's put it to you this way if you were asking me this question last year could anybody have confidently predicted that Limerick would win the All-Ireland yeah, Championship. It's changing so much during right. the year. It's yeah. hard to predict, isn't it? Could anybody have yeah. said, for example, that Tyrone would be in the All-Ireland football final? True. You know, um, and these things, I mean, that's what it's all about. I, I could do the stage thing and give you the, 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 the short list of who's going to be there and thereabouts. But sure, we could all do that. Yeah. We could get Felix Bacast to do that. Yeah. Um, I do feel, though, just it seems that you put, put it to me. In football, I think it's Dublin's to lose for the very simple reason that they're so good and I don't think anything else is just quite at their level at the moment. I think Kerry, going forward, have some good young players. Um, they, they have a team to build. 
whether they're there yet, I don't think so. And outside of that, from other, other football counties around, they'll be there and thereabouts, but are they up to Dublin standards? Hard to see it at the moment. It is, In yeah. In hurling, I actually do think my own county, Galway, might give this a rattle this year. They're very strong, in fairness. I mean, they came close well, last year, point. so... Like, the last year, yeah, when they, they were came the very close. champions, last year they kind of stumbled and stuttered their way around the championship, and I saw them in every match they played, and I could see that they weren't they weren't pressing all the right buttons. They weren't on song all through the year. And nonetheless, they got to the All-Ireland Final and in fact, they didn't lose it by much. So if they reboot themselves, which I think they will do going forward, then they have to be in with a shout. Well, well, we'll wait and see if your predictions are right, Michael. Don't ask me about Cork. I'm yes. definitely behind the couch. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us could be behind the couch when it comes to our own here in Cork. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, Michael, best of luck tonight in Cork and uh, hopefully that uh, you'll have so many people anyhow uh, with the advice uh, tonight from that particular meeting. And thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. That's Michael Lester there, uh, of course, uh, former presenter of the Sunday Game and indeed uh, a retired now sports journalist joining us there. Michael, best of luck tonight. Thanks for joining us and of course that meeting on in the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs tonight Uh, if you have any questions or any concerns regarding to your heart or cardiac issues it is on from 6.30 to 9 this evening in the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs 1850-333-103 our lines are open Uh, you can always text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Good afternoon to you it's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger until 1 and as you know if you're a regular listener Patricia is making her way to Belarus and we will speak to her tomorrow on the show uh, just from around 11.30 onwards regarding her trip to Belarus that's on tomorrow's show but I must say a big thank you to everybody listening to us because here at C103 we're celebrating our latest listenership figures and yeah it's a big thank you for listening and to thank you we have a massive giveaway uh, for this particular show on Cork today we have our highest listenership figures ever for this show so we thank each and every one of you for tuning in to us every morning here on C103 uh, from myself and Patricia and indeed Bernie a big thank you for that and because across the radio station the figures are so good and so high we're giving you a massive chance to win yeah the Rod Stewart 3k triple play it's your chance to win 3000 euro listen out this bank holiday Monday where you will get all the details and how you can win it's our way of saying thanks for listening here at C103 so stay tuned bank holiday Monday all those details how you could win 3000 euro with the Rod Stewart 3k triple play here and only at C103 as we say thanks you thanks to you for listening to us here at C103 more details on Bank Holiday Monday and on the way shortly our Garda file also we're going to hear about why Clannacilty and I'm sure more towns will consider this as well in the future uh, with the lack of town councils and local governance gone why we need to plan for the future Clannacilty the Chamber of Commerce there are coming out I think the first town I have seen doing this and they're setting a roadmap for Clannacilty and the area over the next 10 years we'll speak to them shortly on that and why they're doing that and also pet advice with Jane if you have uh, any questions for a pet in your household or resident vet Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us if you have a question get it into us now 1850 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 
But I want to go back to a number of calls and texts that have come in to us. So when we spoke with Eleanor, who was cycling, or sorry, she was driving on the Blarney Street uh, area of Cork City. A cyclist uh, came behind her. He bumped into her car. He came off his bike and he did cause damage to her car. But her concern is, and she feels that those on bike cycling should have insurance because if something like this happens, at least the motorist has some comeback. Well, on this, a lot of people uh, most agree anyhow uh, with Eleanor Heidi saying most people that ride bikes have cars. We see them take the bikes out of the cars to ride off. So surely they must have insurance on their cars, says Heidi. That's true. Could you get a type of policy whereby you have your car insurance and there's an add-on of having bike insurance on your motor insurance policy? Could that be an option if they decide to go down this route of cyclists having insurance in this country? And of course, then there's the question, if you don't have a car, how do you insure on the bike? That is one of those options. Uh, Heidi, thanks for your text on that. Uh, another texter here saying, cyclists, well, my neighbour cycled into a parked car that had no hazards on at night time, even though they were pulled over at the side of the road at night time. The cyclist broke his leg and he actually, if they went to court after all the small claims that Eleanor spoke about, they did go to court with that and did receive money. So there is ways around that. If you do pursue it without the insurance, if you do go to a small claims court, you actually will get money if there is damage done to either party. And says that all cyclists should have insurance and also that all walkers on country roads without high-vis vests should be targeted also. Uh, it's not good enough to be on a country road late at night not wearing a high-vis vest but agrees with Eleanor that all cyclists should have insurance. While Michael in Mayfield, Michael was in Wilton last week and a bicycle came up on the footpath and broke Michael's big toe. So the Gardaí were called, but nothing could be done as, a, as obviously enough, the cyclist has no insurance. So Michael had to go to CUH. He stayed there for five hours before he was seen and then he was put in a plaster. He can only wear one shoe at the moment and he is walking with a crutch all because of the cyclist that went over his toe in Wilton uh, last week, uh, says Michael. So he feels as well something needs to be done with regards to insurance for cyclists simply because I suppose the amount and the increase uh, of cyclists we are seeing on our roads and indeed in our urban areas over the last, especially the last two to three years. And Liam says, John Paul, it's pure mad that cyclists don't have insurance. I was out yesterday and met a group of them on a narrow road. It was a night Nightmare to pass them out one by one. I just had enough. And I just had enough room to pass them out in the end as well. We all share the road, so everyone should be insured on it. Plain and simple, says Liam on text to 086 103 103. So your view on cyclists to Eleanor. And as you can hear there, a lot of people uh, are agreeing with her and feel that there should be insurance for cyclists, that they should require insurance if they are cycling in public roadways. Uh, your view is to welcome on that. 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086 3103. On the issue of parking on footpaths and this is to do with our conversation earlier with Evie uh, who is a candidate in the upcoming elections but she is a wheelchair user and she's just describing what it is like to be a wheelchair user going along on footpaths that are cracked that are uneven that are bad surface we're hearing of people who are bruised uh, who've had dislocated hips because of all of this they actually have to leave the wheelchair people then with buggies who are trying to push children up a street in a buggy same uh, for them and also then we heard from people who find it hard to get down a footpath because 
because of people parking on footpaths, cars parking on footpaths and they're blocking uh, the pedestrian access, they're blocking especially people though uh, who are wheelchair users and those with prams and buggies on that and we had a number of calls from various towns from people who have witnessed this and say it is an issue in so many towns across the county. Marlene says though parking on footpaths at Inchidani Beach, that happens all the time. Nobody seems to care, especially in the summer when the good weather, it's just terrible. Car owners don't care about buggies or indeed about wheelchairs, says Marlene on text. We were discussing the issue regarding that school in the UK, uh, rearing the pigs and educating the children on basically what happens is uh, pigs is what the animal they're using for an example uh, that they are rearing them and then they are slaughtered and some people say well that's just reality that's what happens on a living farm others feel it's wrong and that particular school should not be teaching this to the children well Mossy on this says this might sound strange but I heard and read recently that the Prince Charles of Windsor of England that he speaks to plants so does this mean that plants are living things and if so uh, possibly feel have feelings like animals and therefore plants should not also be killed. So if we don't kill plants or indeed animals, what are we going to eat? It can't be one law for animals then and not for plants, says Mossy. And he would consider himself a climate change denier, uh, is what Mossy says on WhatsApp to 0862103103 with regards to the whole debate on vegan and not being vegan. And we also spoke about the protests that were being held yesterday in Cork and the one yesterday evening at the Fine Gael Town Hall meeting at the Clayton and the City Centre. And Michael was on to us and he feels if we had basically a punishment for people who break up meetings and who caused disruption to those organised meetings that they these particular disruptions would not happen and that they would save the taxpayer a lot of money. A lot of these people get arrested, they get taken away, Gardaí have to come and remove them from venues and that all costs the uh, taxpayer money. And Michael says there would be a reduction of that if, these, if we had some punishment style... Um, I couldn't say beatings but he's on about using a whip and, and hitting these people so you can consider that what we want anyhow that was Michael's view uh, earlier on Sandy says that Michael wants a North Korean type of repression uh, in the democracy it's a right to protest without violence regardless of who was in power this type of repression is the tactic used against the civil rights marches in Northern Ireland during the 60s and 70s that resulted in the subsequent violence and indeed in a number of deaths and deaths of innocent people, uh, says Sandy on text to 0862103103. Some of your reviews on some of the comments and some of the issues we've been speaking about this morning. Uh, keep them coming, 1850 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. I'll get back to those comments shortly on the programme uh, but also uh, want to go back to a number of issues we didn't get to during the week in the show I'll get to those as well but I want to move to our Garda file because Sergeant John Kelly joins me from Fermoy Garda Station uh, this afternoon Good afternoon to you John Good morning John Paul And Good thanks afternoon. for joining us uh, a bit later uh, than normal on the show but we want to start first of all on this week's Garda file and you want to warn people about this is Bogue workers we usually hear about are conmen in certain areas of the county uh, this is a guy I presume is he pretending or, or letting on that he's from the ESB Yeah pretending uh, John Paul um, look it's something that we believe the public may be able to help us with as well as regards identification of this uh, particular individual Um the individual uh, we're looking for is described as being in his early 40s with brown black hair, average build, approximately 5 foot 8, and speaking with a Cork County accent. Wore, wore a black jacket now on the day he carried out this offence. 
for anyone who may have any information um, going back to Wednesday, Wednesday of last week. Now, in this case, the elderly man was at home, over over 80, uh, a male called to his home in Mallow, right, at around a quarter to two. Um, this particular individual pre- pretended to be from the ESB and informed him that he had a problem with a cable in the house. Um, when he was questioned by the gentleman concerned why the electricity was still working, the man said that he had already fixed the problem and that there was a bill for 350 euros owing for his work. So the 350 was handed over. The injured party went outside at, at the request of the male to retrieve his tools. Um, when he went back in, um, his cash box and all had been um, stolen and another quantity of cash was taken. So a, a dirty mean crime. Um, now, there's possibility that uh, this guy called to other houses beforehand. Um, and um, we would be asking if anyone has any information or if they may know who we're dealing with, uh, ring the Gaudi at Mallow, that's 022-21105, and, and pass on their uh, information to us. Um, two other incidents that uh, we would be interested in as well, and that's uh, Boots in Middleton last Friday. Uh, and this is, serves as a general warning as well to other pharmacies. Two men uh, called about half six, and they were late night opening. Um, a large amount of cosmetics and stuff would have been stuffed into a, a silver blue bag and they left the store. Um, one obviously caused a distraction while the other loaded up and left. This is something that we see all the time with big retail pharmacies, you know, which have a lot of um, perfumes and, and toiletries and that, you know. Uh, the other incident that I have, it's actually two incidents in one, really. And that goes back to Wednesday of last week as well. And we had two shops broken into side by side. Uh, the Vodafone store in Formai and the Air store in Formai. Both side by side around five past three in the morning. The front door was forced. Um, they walked quickly. Three men went into both stores. But they literally came away empty handed because there was nothing to be taken. But again, that serves as a warning really just for um, all uh, phone stores and indeed centres are being targeted as well uh, again we see we see that so please just make sure your cameras your alarms are up to date working and that you ensure that um, that your, your your safes are where they're supposed to be and obviously that they're working as well properly you know Yeah because phones um, can be very expensive and we've spoken to phone shop owners before who have been targeted and have had stock taken and, and stolen and it, it might be 15 phones which mightn't sound like a lot but it could be going into 5,000, 10,000 worth of stock because they're so expensive. It's a lot of money, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a lot of money. Um, John Paul, there's a couple of other things that I'd just like to give out and that's, we see that uh, advanced free fee fraud. Um, now, we had an incident in, in Mallow where there was a person targeted. Uh, um, they went on looking for a loan. I think something appeared on their social media uh, advising them of some company that would give a uh, that would give money out, that would give loans out without doing credit checks and whatnot. Um, this person responded um, and uh, ended ended up being, instead of getting a loan, they ended up being around €1,000 worse off, you know. Um, basically what, what it is, a number of websites offering unsecured loans, they're targeting vulnerable persons and persons who have difficulty obtaining loans, somebody with very bad credit records. Now, it's known as advanced fee fraud, and you'll see why. Because the victim applies for a loan to a website that offers loans, which is claimed will be processed quickly. The website also claims that loans are available without the need for a good credit rating or the need to provide collateral for the loan. 
or indeed to provide any documentation apart from those basic personal details. Some of the firms also falsely claim that they're regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland, which obviously isn't the case. Um, now, the victim then will receive a call or communication within a very short time, minutes just, informing them that the loan application has been approved, providing details of the amount of loan and the monthly repayment. Now, this is where the advance comes in, uh, the name of the scam. The victim will then be asked to send an amount of money to the lender in advance of the loan amount being issued, with different reasons being given for this advance fee. For example, they might tell them it's an upfront fee. They might tell them it's to pay for personal protection insurance on the loan amount. Um, it could be C, to discharge overseas taxes, or indeed to show that the victim has the ability to meet the loan repayments. No loan amounts are ever issued to the victim, and the advance fee is, is lost. So, you know, just make sure that you're following warning signs, you know. Um, the website, they'll claim to offer a fast and easy way to apply for a loan online. The loan will be approved very quickly. But also the fact that nobody's asking you for, for, for much personal details, you know, should be ringing a, uh, you know, should be ringing a bell at that stage. Yeah, so, and where, by the way, are people seeing this, John? Is it online on, on like, say, Google or that kind of thing or on uh, Facebook yeah, or some of those yeah, sites? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're Googling it. Um, they might be Googling for loans or it comes sometimes comes pops up in social media. And, uh, the, you know, the fact maybe that they've been Googling for loans will sometimes bring it up on social media as well, you know. It can, um, yeah, they can cross-reference. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, the main thing is always check the official central bank website to see if the firm that they are going to deal with is authorised by the central bank, you know. Uh, the, the, there's a register of authorised firms and it can be accessed at registers.centralbank.ie. And there are also um, can be instances where a firm clones the details of an authorised entity by taking the details of... Um, a proper company and claim it to be either that company or or somebody associated with them. You know, so there's mm, scams are proliferating, John Paul, at, at a huge amount. Now we see vishing scams going on. Um, on the Garda website, you, you know, there's a number of different uh, uh, things that people really should look up, um, say, as regards crime prevention. There's a vishing scam. It's where a person is tricked into divulging their personal financial security information or transferring money to criminals. Now, there's another scam, which is basically, I think a lot of people are getting phone calls. They don't know where the calls are coming from. It's called Wangiri scam. It's where the criminals ring your phone once and cut the call in an attempt to prompt you to call back. When you call back, you're connected to a premium rate uh, number. You might hear nobody on the line. And, uh, you, you know, it can take many forms and a lot of money has been lost. They reckon across the whole entire world, something like 29 billion is being taken worldwide every year in, in phone scams. Well, that's a huge amount of money. And actually, as you mentioned that, someone has just texted in uh, with various numbers that they actually have got those scams to speak about this morning. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's happening all over. I'm talking to people every day. The main thing is do not call back. Ignore them. Block them on your, on your phone. Um, you know, some phones have the capability of allowing you to block a nuisance number from contacting you. You know, you check your phone manual. Yeah. It's a feature of your handset. Now, the main thing is do not provide any personal information. You know, banking details, PPS numbers, credit card details, or anything. Look, that should be, you know, people should do that as a rule of course, but unfortunately, there are still people being caught. 
in that manner, you know. And what they're and doing also is they're ringing from numbers some of, the, of these uh, phone scams that look like local numbers, so people think they have a miss. Yeah, people think they have a miss call, and then as you said, the cloning aspect, they ring back and they get caught. The other one is uh, supposed to be ringing from revenue or an IT company, and it's actually hitting businesses now as well. And they say press one to go continue this conversation. People press one, and then they are through to a premium line. So it's the company pays for that call, or indeed you at home. So beware of that as yeah, well. And, and, and where it comes to businesses, uh, I think it's very important that businesses get uh, proper prevention, get expert advice, keep the phone system software up to date, you know, include the phone system in their IT security review every year um, and make sure, and this applies to anything, this applies to your, your alarm or anything, set strong admin passwords. Don't use yeah. default passwords like 1234 or 0000 you know, some people are kind of lazy. They don't change their passwords, you know. Make sure as well that they block calls to premium rate numbers, say for business phones, block calls to international destinations other than ones needed, turn off remote access features. So the, there's a lot of stuff even coming down the line. Um, we covered one there a couple of weeks ago with Patricia. Um, I won't go into it now, but it, it's a SIM, SIM swap. Uh, it, it, it's a way of... Uh, changing details of, of somebody's phone. Um, I think there will be press release on it in, uh, very shortly again. But just for people, just to be aware of those things, don't go back. If you miss uh, a call from, from a number you don't recognise, don't ring it back. Yeah, and unfortunately they are targeting areas and, and they keep doing so. But as you said, people for some reason don't know, don't listen until they're caught. So just beware of that because they, they will continue until... Yeah, they will, they'll continue yeah. on until... Because they will catch so many people and, and they will be at this until they really get to a stage where no one will entertain them. But as you say, in the big world, they will continue because somebody will get caught at some stage. Yeah, and there's plenty, plenty of information to be had about all those scams and any developing scams on the Garda website. Just go on to it, check it out. There's plenty of stuff there to read. Okay, John, well, thank you for that. Uh, that's uh, Sergeant John Kelly there joining us this afternoon from Fermoy Garda Station with this week's Garda File. On the way, your pet questions are welcome for Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. You can call Bernie now with those, 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 86 The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. A tea day at St. Gumlet's Nursing Home in Banaya Grand. That's going ahead today, this afternoon, from 2 to 4. And an Alzheimer's tea day in the Grand Hotel for Moy is on this afternoon from 2 to 4 with a raffle. Mallow Art Club, they're hosting the very talented Paul Quain this evening at 7.30 in the Mercy Centre. He will work on a beach scene with lots of movement and cloud formation. All welcome there. Banaladee National School, they're holding a fundraising talk on gardening and flower arranging in the school hall later this evening. Plans for sale on the night as well and refreshments are available and the music room of Boherbui is on tonight at 8 o'clock in the Pierce Memorial Hall in Boherbui with Anne McCarthy presenting this evening all are welcome and McCroom Handball and Racquetball Club they're looking for new members for all ages returning players and novices are welcome contact John on 086 817 5859 for further information Now a roadmap for Clonakilty is to be discussed next Monday the 6th of May at the Fernhill House Hotel the Clonakilty Chamber of Commerce is looking to put a long-term plan ahead for the town and indeed the area of Clonakilty. Councillor Christopher O'Sullivan, local councillor, is one of those who will be addressing the meeting and joins me. Good afternoon to you, Christopher. Hi, JP. Uh, first of all, I suppose with a lot of change to local government in the last number of years, is this one of the reasons why the Chamber is holding this particular meeting to ensure the future viability of the area? 
Yeah, JP, uh, there's three, I suppose, main inspirations for uh, a meeting like this and for a roadmap event and to kind of try create some type of 10-year plan. Um, and I'll go into them very, very briefly and very quickly because I appreciate that you might be stuck for time. But uh, first of all, is um, we, uh, Planikilty, as you know, look, it's a good, it's a vibrant town, it's a tourism town. Um, quite often we're up for different awards. And recently we were up for uh, the Bank of Ireland Enterprise Town Awards and we were, we were up against uh, you know, some of the uh, most famous and well-known towns in, um, in, uh, in Ireland. Um, and we didn't feature. We didn't feature uh, as a winner and um, we didn't come away with, I suppose, any, any awards, you know, which is disappointing, but look, we appreciate it. But one of the things that these towns that did feature and these towns that were going places is they all had plans and they all had roadmaps and they all had, I suppose, a direction, a future direction in terms of different projects. So that was one, one reason, I suppose, and one inspiration. The second thing is um, the challenges that the town has faced over the last couple of years. And when I say, when I'm talking about challenges, I'm mainly talking about the floodworks and the road resurfacing that's been happening over the last uh, 18 months to two years, which has, you know, it's disrupted the town, it's disrupted traffic, it's disrupted parking, uh, and it has affected, obviously, businesses in the town. So we want to, you know, this meeting isn't going to address that because those works are ongoing at the moment, but we want to be ready for, uh, you know, by the end of October, by November, when these roadworks uh, are finished and when the floodworks are finished, we want to be ready to capitalise on the opportunities that that presents. So we want to be in a position that we have a structure or a, a platform that we can build on. And the final thing uh, is, the, is what you mentioned there, John Paul, in terms of the absence of town councils. Clan Kilty had a very active uh, and uh, well-working town council that was very proactive around the town. It hasn't had that for the last five years. And I think we're seeing the, the, the consequences of, of missing a local town council that invests directly back into a town. Uh, so the Chamber of Commerce, as well as other community groups, um, are going to have to do that now because the municipal district structure, while it's great for West Cork and it's it's trying to distribute funding uh, throughout, the, through, throughout the entirety of West Cork, Clannacilty people now and Clannacilty communities need to step up to the mark uh, and, I suppose, drive the town forward and into the next, uh, into the future. So that, that's the main inspiration for it. And you're looking, as you as you said, looking into the future. One thing that I've noticed with Clonakilty and other towns in particular who are near the city, but for, for Clon, uh, the town is growing and many people that I would know who are from the area are moving back home because, you know, as people get older, they want to live at home, settle down with children, be near their parents and all of that and their friends. Uh, the other side is people want quality of life and people seem to be happy enough with the hour commute and if they can work from home some days, if Broadband allows them to do that, that they want to settle in areas like Clonakilty, where they have access to one of the finest beaches across Ireland uh, near them, uh, you know, different walkways. And you could say that as well for areas in East Cork and North Cork. Uh, that is an attraction that other areas just simply can't buy, can't develop. You have that on your doorstep. So is there something like that? You want to use the infrastructure yeah. in the area as well and make it more an adaptable place for people to move to and live for the future? Exactly. Look, there is demand to live uh, and move to Clan. There still is. There's huge demand uh, for housing, for, for rental accommodation, for new houses. Um, and it's driven the, the, the prices up for, for that reason. That's because people want to come and move to Clan and Kilty. It's close to the tourism facilities like the beaches, and but it's also close to the city. So that's what we're welcoming. We're, this is an, an open meeting. It's open to the public. All stakeholders, uh, stakeholders anyone, um, everyone is welcome to come. And they're the types of ideas we're looking for. So, for example, things that have been floated already by the Chamber would be safe walking and cycling access to Inchidani Beach. Inchidani Beach, as you've alluded to, is uh, one of our top attractions. Okay, so that that's one um, idea that's been floated out there. We've seen the success in Skibreen of something like the Ludgate Hope and these rem- remote working areas like e-hubs. 
you know, this is an idea that we're looking at. We, I've spoken on, uh, to Patricia already about the idea of a theatre or a performance centre in the old Linden Hall in Clannock Guilty. Um, you know, you, you spoke earlier to Evie uh, Nevin about the idea of accessibility. Mm. But that's something that we need to look at in terms of making Clannock Guilty more um, access friendly. So these are the types of issues that we, we, we hope uh, that will be brought to the table. But there may be a whole array of other ideas, uh, initiatives out there that we just haven't thought of yet. And that is why we're inviting everybody to come uh, and, and, and speak and, you know, I suppose have their say in terms of what kind of direction they want Clannock Guilty to take in terms of maybe enterprise, sustainability, uh, tourism and different things like that. And you mentioned enterprise there and tourism and like every town, there can be people living in a town that people aren't aware of that have certain skill sets. You'd like them as well to come along on tonight and offer what they feel should be the future for the area as well and offer their skills to the whole night. Exactly. And that is going to be the big theme of the night, uh, I suppose, so people who have been successful in other areas coming to speak. So delighted to uh, announce that we have one of Clannock Kilty's, I suppose, big success stories in Norman Crowley. Nor- Norman uh, is from Clannock Kilty, uh, just out the Castleview area there, and he is one of our, our big, I suppose, success stories in terms of the different uh, initiatives and enterprises that he set up. He set up a company called Crowley Carbon, uh, who are now global leaders uh, in energy efficiency. So this is, uh, I'm hoping that people come and be inspired by Norman's story and Norman's company. He's also set up uh, an incredible initiative called Kim, uh, Cool Planet, and um, it's the Cool Planet Foundation. And that is, they're setting up 10 education centers uh, right throughout the world, trying to educate young people, but also um, older people as well, in how to, I suppose, uh, tackle climate change and also the opportunities that may be presented by, by climate change. So we're really, really excited to have Norman here. He's, he's a, a world renowned speaker and he's thankfully doing this event for free so we're very very grateful for that so that that's a big attraction attraction we also have ian dempsey um ian ian uh, works with the west court i used to work with the, the west court development partnership uh, he is an expert in how to i suppose gain access to the different european funding and community funds that are out there he's worked with community groups right throughout the country and right throughout europe in terms of how to gain access for exactly the type of projects that i've just listed there earlier so we're, we're very excited to have these speakers here uh, on monday all right, and uh, it's on the Fernhill House Hotel, as I mentioned, next Monday, the 6th of May. What time is is the starting there for people to attend this? Kicking off at 7pm, and you'd be delighted to know that we will, refreshments will be served, so there'll be a bit of grove, and, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be very interesting. We also have Catherine O'Connor from Tidy Towns, because while we talk about the big, I suppose, um, landmark type of ideas that, that, that I mentioned there, we also want to bring it back to the locality, and, and groups like Planet Kilty Tidy Towns, who sometimes I think we take for granted, we want them uh, to, to explain their ideas for the future as well. Okay, before I let you go, very briefly, uh, we had a few residents of Woodlawn in Clonakilty onto us yesterday. This was regarding their fear of Japanese knotweed, which is nearby. There's a new housing estate going up near them. They have no issue with the housing estate or anybody involved with it, or no issue yeah. with housing, that they welcome that. But they're concerned with the Japanese knotweed because obviously if that's touched, it can interfere with their own homes and also the new homes. So they're, they're a bit concerned about that and what the council are doing to prevent anything going wrong with this. Yeah, and I'm I'm concerned about that as well. I've seen the front page of our local newspaper here, the Southern Star, um, where they, we see images of what looks to be uh, fresh knotweed, uh, you know, green leaf knotweed, which means that it's obviously still there and it's, it's still an issue. On the back of that and on the back of the residents' concerns as well, because the residents did, in fairness, they emailed us um, with their concerns. I've contacted Seamus de Fuita, who's who'd be the head of our housing programme, our social housing programme, Cork County Council, and he is sending the team down to investigate the matter. Obviously, look, it would be a massive uh, setback and a massive blow 
to the social housing delivery in West Cork if if this uh, housing state um, was put at jeopardy. I'm, I'm fingers crossed, okay, that the news that comes back that this Japanese knotweed issue is being dealt with. I know they started the programme a couple of years ago um, in treating this with the spray and different types of methods. So hopefully um, we will we'll get some good news back on that and that it is being under control. Um, if not, then it's obviously a huge setback and we'll have to uh, get in there and address it because we don't want to, I suppose, jeopardise the houses that are being built and we certainly don't want to jeopardise the existing houses at Woodlands either. So I hope to have an update on that very shortly. Seamus has assured me that he will get back to me and we also have a municipal district meeting coming up this Monday, which I'm sure myself and other local councillors will be looking for answers and looking for these uh, residents' concerns to be addressed. OK, but we'll wait and see what happens regarding that situation of the knot. We, for the moment, uh, best of luck with uh, Monday night, uh, Chris. Thank thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, that's Clonakilty Councillor Christopher O'Sullivan uh, on that big meeting they're having next Monday, 6th in Fernhill House Hotel near Clon from 7pm. Just basically outlining the future roadmap for Clonakilty and I'm sure other areas might pick up on that and follow what Clonakilty are starting there. 1850-333-103 That's the number for your pet questions. If you have a pet in your house you want to ask our vet uh, a question for a pet in your household of anything at all get them into us right now. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 because Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us next. And Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group joins us. Good afternoon to you Jane. Hi there. And we'll go straight into uh, pet questions uh, this afternoon. And first of all, one that has just come in and this on WhatsApp, no name, but uh, it just happened to this particular dog this morning that their dog is vomiting yellow foam or boil. Now, he's a Labrador. He's 11 years old. He's fine apart from that. The vomiting, as I said, only took place this morning. They have given the dog a small amount of dry food with some banana. He's eaten that fine. Seems happy out. Seems okay. Uh, But can you help on why Mm. this has happened? Okay, so this could be a number of things, really. I think the most important factor that our caller has said is that the dog otherwise seems fine. If he's bright, alert, paddling around like he normally does, wagging the tail, and if there's been only just this one-off vomiting episode, if if vomiting isn't a regular feature for him over the last, let's say, few days or weeks, um, and it's just one isolated vomit this morning, can be like ourselves. We might have just eaten something out and about that might not agree with our tummies, um, and we might vomit, um... Now, what I can say is I would keep a close eye on him. If there is any further vomiting or if you feel that your little fella is maybe a little bit off form, not wanting to eat as well as as usual, although he has eaten a little bit of dry food, then I will pop him along to your vet for a checkup. I think what will be sensible for this little dog, as long as he's bright and well himself otherwise and there's no more vomiting, is a bland diet for a day or two. That does us no harm. It's kind of the equivalent of ourselves having tea and toast when we feel a bit ill. So the best recipe I can give them, as long as he doesn't have any dietary intolerances, is boiled rice and uh, let's say cooked chicken breast so no bones but just cooked chicken breast a little bit um, every so often it's it's a good thing to settle down the tummy but keep a close eye OK and you mentioned chicken breast there uh, this is a different situation, a situation regarding a chicken breast June and Middleton her dog has decided to eat raw chicken breast they were left out the dog saw oh, them no. jumped and ate them uh, does she need to take her dog to the vet if so uh, wh- like what signs should she watch out for mm-hmm. if she needs to take her, her dog to the vet or is there any harm at all in this dog eating the raw chicken chicken breasts. Okay, so it's a bit of a controversial one. I would say raw food is not the best idea, okay? 
that's because we know it carries a certain amount of risk as regards bugs that can live on the meat for both the dogs and ourselves if we're in contact with them. Mm. Now, this sounds like a one-off incident. Um, just chicken breasts left on the side and accidents happen all the time. Um, so what I would say, as long as your dog is otherwise well, bright in himself, happy out and doesn't have any episodes of vomiting or diarrhea following this, you might have got away with it. It'll probably be fine. Now, I assume from what our caller is saying that these were chicken breasts, that so there wasn't any bones involved. If there was bones involved, that's a little bit of a different story. You'd have to watch them very, very carefully because we know chicken bones are really bad for dogs and cats. They can get stuck and cause blockages in the intestine. So keep a really, really close eye. Um, but assuming it is just the chicken breast meat, being raw is not ideal. Obviously, we want all of the food to be cooked so that the bugs in it are killed. Um, but it might be OK. I would say I wouldn't be rushing to the vet at this point. Just keep a really, really close eye on them. And uh, Marion in Mallow, her cat has a very itchy and flaky skin at the moment. Now, should she change her diet or what would Jane recommend? Uh, and this is a cat, is it? It's a cat, it's yeah. A cat. It's our own if cat. If we yeah. have itchy and flaky skin, it can be a number of things. Now, sometimes if it's flaky, it can just be dry skin like ourselves with the weather changing a lot as well. Um, but if there is a component of itching in it, so if we're itching and scratching at the skin and you can see your cat having a little bit of a nibble at its feet and at its belly, etc., I would first and foremost make sure that it's up to date with its flea and mite treatment. So pop to your vet and get um, an appropriate spot on that they'd recommend so that will kill off any fleas, mites or lice. Okay. Now, sometimes we can get a mite on dogs and cats that can almost look like flaky skin and it's called calyx yellow. We call it walking dandruff. (laughs) Um, So it can look very similar. Now it's more common in dogs than cats, but it can happen. So I think first and foremost to rule out a simple cause of itching, make sure you get a spot on to kill off the parasites from your vet and then if the itching still continues after that I think a trip to your vet for an examination and a, a workup for the itchy skin might be warranted because a number of things from allergies to let's say just dry skin as, as a primary cause can be the problem and there's lots of things we can do to help them out with that. And Deirdre in Rochestown, she's a 12 year old spaniel. Now the spaniel in the last while has started to limp and is a lot slower over the last number of months. Any reason why this should be and should you be worried about this? Yeah, okay. So this is maybe a little bit of a concern. I think particularly in an older dog with a limp, um, our collar doesn't say whether it's maybe a front or a back leg, but a lot of the time the causes are the same. So I think very much like in older people, arthritis is exceedingly common in our older dog and cat patients. So if we are slowing down a little bit, maybe a little bit of a waxing, waning lameness on one limb, sometimes it can be arthritis. And I think certainly a visit to your vet to fully examine the limb in question is warranted. Now, in an older patient particularly, I think that's definitely the case. I I wouldn't kind of watch and wait with this little dog if if he's sore on the leg because sometimes in older patients it can be something a little bit more sinister. So we just need to get it checked out to make sure there's no lumps or bumps in the bone that might be causing a problem. So pop along to your vet for an exam. Okay, and I'm not too sure if you can help out someone who has three hens, uh, but the hens are about seven years old. They stopped laying. If I get new hens, will they kill each other uh, in a certain pecking order? She wants to know without using the pun of pecking. I cannot <laughs> afford to buy another uh, run of them, but I really want the new hens to start laying. Any solution? Well, I think there shouldn't be a huge problem as long as you gently introduce the hens, the two new groups of hens together, as it were. OK, um, so I think certainly a bit of separation initially where they can see each other, but not necessarily get to each other. So they're aware of each other's presence, but can't quite get to each other to, to cause a ruckus is a good way to introduce them for a few weeks. Now, we do know in older hens, and particularly these are kind of around the six, seven year old mark, which is really good going for chickens. Um, we do know that as they age, they do begin to lay more irregularly and 
stop playing at all at some point. So I think for these little ones, if they are kind of getting on in their years, they're in their, their twilight years, um, them returning to laying is, is less likely. So I think if you do want your eggs, you may have to get some younger hens to start off with, but a gentle introduction of both groups. And how long can a hen live for, roughly? Oh God, you know, a lot of them if they're kept really, really well, if they get to five or six, they're doing exceedingly well. Oh, they yeah. really are. Now they can go, everybody, they don't read the rule book all the time. They can go <laughs> a lot longer than that. Um, but but generally, yeah, around that mark. Very good. Well, there we are. These things are, are seven years old, so they're doing yeah, well. they're doing well. Uh, Jane, thank you for that. You're back again next week. That's yeah. Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's it from us. And tomorrow, we're looking to see if, what do you think of the suggestion that's coming in this afternoon at a meeting with a number of councillors who are looking to see, should the age, the legal age of drink be going from 18 to 21? What's your view on that? That and more tomorrow from 10 o'clock here on C103's Cork Today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced to I'm John Paul McNamara. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.